You're listening to How to Win Friends and Save the Republic, a podcast from the National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers. I'm your host, Andy Moore. We have two guests in studio today, Sarah Gifford and Victor Alice of ActiVote which is a smartphone app that helps people increase their civic engagement by completing meaningful daily actions. We'll talk a lot more about that as we get into the episode. Victor is originally from the Netherlands. He has a master's in computer science from Vrie University and a PhD in artificial intelligence from Maastricht University. Victor was co-founder and CEO of Quintic, which as I understand it is a software company that provides uh, software solutions for scheduling and supply chain optimization. I'm sure they can correct us on that to get into it. Also joining us is Sarah Gifford. Sarah grew up in New England. Um, she received a bachelor's in computer engineering from Bucknell University in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, and a master's in software engineering from American University in Washington, D.C. As you may have guessed, their careers have been in software and technology. Um, Sarah. 11 years at Quintic, um, and that's obviously where she met Victor. Currently, she lives in Boston uh, and is co-founder with Victor of ActiVote. Welcome to the program, Victor and Sarah. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. So uh, for our listeners who may not have read the full title, I want to point out, because I have a thing about names, that Sarah, your last name is Gifford, no S on the end, singular Gifford, which I think is German. But I probably learned that from watching like Regis and Kathy Lee as a child and on <laughs> weekday mornings. Um, normally, I like to start interviews by learning a little bit about our, our guests and talking about how you became involved in this work. That doesn't usually involve a deep dive into the etymology of people's names, but here we are. Uh, so let's um, maybe start there and talk a little bit about how you guys got your start. I sounds like your start was in technology, um, but I'm interested in the origins of your care, your concern for democracy and, and how to make it better. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, I think for me, um, as you said, I grew up in New England um, and like many kids, my parents voted at my elementary school. That's where our town polling place was. And so my parents would take us, I had two sisters, to the polls with them and we'd wait in line and we weren't allowed to go to school until they voted. Now, I was a bit of a nerd even back in elementary school, so not being able to be at school at time was a pretty devastating thing for me. Um, But my parents made very clear that voting is just something you do and if you're a little bit late to work or to school that day, that that's okay because voting is just important. And so, you know, at six, seven or eight, not sure you know exactly what's going on besides that you're late for school, but you know, that continued through my whole life. Um, And you know, their, their dedication to voting um, they weren't necessarily activists planning marches on our town square or anything, but they were super voters, right, as one would define, um, and ingrained it in my sisters and I how important this was. And so when we finished uh, at Quintic together and it was time to do something good, uh, we both knew we had skills in technology. Um, and I'm a firm believer that you can use whatever skills they have for us. It's technology. For others, it might be art um, or conversation or media uh, to improve our democracy. And so we took that passion for democracy uh, combined with our technology skills to look at active vote. So that's, that's how I came to this. Yeah, that's great. It's, it's funny to me how many people have stories similar to that where their parents really instilled a sense of civic duty in them at an early age. Uh, that's exciting. 
Victor, how about you? What's your story? Yeah, so my dad had a strange influence on me that I was living in the Netherlands. And when I was 15 years old, one night, my dad announces that he will get up at 3 a.m. in the morning. And I thought that was really cool and interesting, but why? And he said, I'm going to watch the debate between Ronald Reagan and Jimmy Carter. And I said, Dad, can I get up as well? And so I got up, and that was my first uh, debate that I ever watched of presidential elections. And I don't think I've missed the debate since. Then I moved to the United States, became a U.S. citizen. And I always wanted to, to be part of this very intriguing process of campaigns. And so at some states, I joined um, a congressional campaign and spent four months on that and was really inspired by all the work that many people do and realized I want to contribute something, but then realized also that probably using technology skills was more in my wheelhouse than continuing knocking on doors and, 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 you know, standing with uh, signs at, 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 at corners. And that's how we came to uh, ultimately to found Activil. That's, that's funny. I can imagine, uh, you know, being software gurus, right. Who are knocking doors and doing very analog activities, standing there with a sign thinking, you know, surely there's a better way to reach voters than this. If only I knew a software engineer, right? And so, uh, so you guys decided to use your skills um, from technology and software to create Activote. Can you give us uh, an overview of of what the app is and and how you how you approached the creation of it? So. The app is voter focused. So if you look at who is this for, it's not for campaigns, it's not for the government, it is for the voter. It's for each and every citizen who wants to vote, who wants to feel more empowered and more engaged in our democracy. And a lot of the ideas came from the campaign and came from that knocking on doors and realizing that voters experience just this whiplash, right? Um, everybody wants their attention for a couple weeks, every couple of years, right? And, and then they get phone calls, they get mailers, they get all of these things, and then they're ignored. Um, for six months, one year, two years, right? Depending on that election. And that's not a way to engage someone. That's not a way to make them feel a part of something. That's a way to make them feel used. Um, you want me for my vote and then for nothing else. And so our belief is that we can have a change and an impact by making civics a habit, um, but making democracy something that's a daily activity. Um, because democracy is of course showing up to the polls and vote. And we hope every single uh, voting eligible American does exactly that. But democracy is also learning a little bit about the bill going through your state house, learning a little bit about universal broadband that's being talked about in this infrastructure bill. What is it and why do we need it? And, and why is it important? And so I think we're trying to take the idea of politics, that it is not this daunting thing. Oh, I don't have time to be engaged in politics or it's too much for me. Um, it's not too much for anyone. Um, and you can, in just you know, three minutes a day, be part of our democracy, be part of our, our country, um, and learn a bit. And you're going to feel empowered. You're going to feel more a part of it. And then when election time comes, well, you're probably also going to vote um, and have that voice heard. And so kind of in talking to those voters on that campaign, it really shaped, hey, what is their experience as we're doing this? And how do you make that experience better as a way to engage them at the polls? Yeah. Yeah. When I... I I watched a video interview of both of you, I think from a local news show in Boston where you got started, it's on your YouTube channel. And you, you said that same phrase, learn a little bit about public policy in five minutes a day, which I thought was a noble goal. It also reminded me that I signed up for the Headspace meditation app during the pandemic, and I have not kept to my five minutes a day of meditation. Um, but so what makes ActiVote different? You, I, 
I think, I mean, I've been using it um, since we first met a few months ago, and I've tried to keep up with it. If not every day, then I would catch up, right? Because you can kind of do daily activities. If you've missed a few days, you just catch up to the current day. But there's a lot more to it than just learning, right? There's like a, there's a, an interactive component and even a bit of a test to see where you line up, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think that there are two things here. So one part of this is we want to make sure to present content that is nonpartisan and is not trying to convince you of anything. Um, a lot of the media tries to convince you to believe what they believe. We want you to believe whatever you believe, but you can help look into that those nuanced beliefs by engaging in this. And if you look, you know, you're absolutely right. Every question, every piece of content we have in the app, we ask your opinion. And we do that for a reason because you know, a common sentiment in America is my vote doesn't matter and my voice isn't heard. Well, everything we have you read, your voice is heard. We are making sure to kind of to note that down um, and have you be part of this bigger collective. Like, yes, your voice is being heard. Um, and then we're trying to do something really cool and really smart um, with all of those answers to, to those questions to make um, you feel more empowered in voting. And I'll, and I'll leave that to the you know, artificial intelligence guy uh, over here. Yeah. So. There's a one part of our, our app is what we call the political matrix. And so when you engage with the app and you get questions about topics that you've just read a little bit about and, and you give answers to that, it positions you somewhere in the political spectrum, which for us is um, you know a square matrix in the app where everybody is plotted. And we use data science to make sure that um, people who are uh, close to each other in terms of their beliefs are shown close to each other in the matrix. And if you're far apart, then you're shown far and apart. And so everybody who uses the app can see where they are positioned in the political spectrum. And that often leads to um, interesting conversations that they may have with their friends or feelings that they might have about themselves. Like, yeah, I'm close to this other person. And we think that's a, a wonderful way to stimulate people to keep engaging with the app. Yeah. So I, I just pulled open the app here to kind of reflect on what I've done this week. And um, the task for today was a refresher on um, our attorney general's race that will be next year for here. And I'm in Oklahoma. So it lists the candidates that we know are running um, or that you not we that you know are running. Right. And um, you can rank them. So it involves a, a rank choice primer. Right. You get to rank. Um, so right now there's two candidates. Um, and you can rank them one and two, or you can just pick one if you want. Uh, and then there's also some ways to compare them if there's information about them. There's not yet because this is still really early. Uh, yesterday, it was a similar, it was like a, you know, <laughs> rate on five stars, the governor of your state. Uh, and so once you fill it out, you can see how other users have also ranked that person. Um, their approval rating, I guess, is a way to phrase it. But the thing that I think is also most handy is that it contains links to that candidate or that elected official's Facebook page, Twitter profile, website, email. And so it it serves as a as a portal also for like helping users engage in that. What kind of engagement have you guys seen? Has this been an effective tool for for users to to actually like contact their elected officials? Yeah, so we, we've done a couple of things. So one is just anecdotal feedback, and we get a lot of positive feedback from people um, on how the app makes them feel and how the app helped them vote. Um, but in addition to that, we did, we did a study uh, at the end of 2019 into early 2020 
of all of the users who have used the app and what was their historical voting performance? Did they normally vote in primaries? Did they normally vote in these local elections? And what has their performance been since starting on ActiVote? Uh, and looking into that group of voters who, who had used the app, we found that after using ActiVote, they were 33% more likely to vote uh, than their historical performance. And so what we are aiming for in terms of that feeling of empowerment and engagement, um, ideally leading to voter participation, seems to be panning out. And what was even more uh, exciting in that study was that we had the biggest impact on this cohort of voters who vote, say, between 10 and 50% of the time. So they're registered, they clearly know how, they've maybe done it before, but they're very irregular voters. Um, and those are the ones that were really empowering to get to the polls. And, and for us, um, we felt like that was a wonderful accomplishment. That's really cool. I also really like the um, the tab that's about, I think it's the vote tab, where it has all of your upcoming elections. And I mean, today we are recording this on August 20th, and it has all of the elections that I have coming up through November of 2022, right? So that's, and for Oklahoma, golly, we have an election almost every month. So there's like the mayor and a runoff for that. There's all the primaries next summer and you list all of the, all of the races, right? So from the governor to the U.S. Senate and you have all the candidates and it's helpful to me to think like, I forgot that there's two people that have already announced for running for the state treasurer next year. You have them on here and that allows me more than a year in advance to start learning about these candidates, which is a big help because so many voters just show up to the ballot box and look at names I've never seen before. So I, you guys started this in Boston, correct? And and I, my understanding is it was somewhat focused on local politics first before you took it nationwide, or am I misunderstanding? Yes, you're absolutely right. We started it up here in Boston. Um, we have a third partner who's not on this podcast who lives down in Philadelphia, um, but who's, who's also instrumental to everything we are doing. Um, so a shout out to Paul Eric um, that we'd like to make as well. Um, but yeah, that first year in 2019, um, we happened to have here in Boston a huge city council race. There were over 40 people um, running for city council. We built the basics of the app. Um, you know, we had the we had the national nationwide election calendar. We had some of our policy questions, um, and we really wanted to figure out how do I get candidates to participate in this so that voters across the country, when they open that app and they see this race for mayor, actually see uh, in that matrix where those candidates lie because. You know, while it's nice that we can research the positions of, you know, Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, and we can make sure that everybody knows kind of where they stand on the matrix, it's even more useful for that state treasurer race or that local city council when you don't know those people as well. Um, and so we spent a lot of 2019, we went to barbecues, we went to forums, we went to candidate rallies, we went to almost anything you could find here in the city of Boston, um, chasing down candidates and asking lots of questions. You know, will you do our survey? Uh, and if so, why not? Um, and we we used that information um, to, to get better at it. By, by the end of 2020, um, I believe we had over 10,000 um, candidates in our matrix. Um, and, and, you know, in 2021, we've been working hard. Uh, I know you're, you live in Oklahoma City. I believe you also had a city council primary back in February. Um, mm -hmm. And I think we got about a half dozen or so of those candidates also to fill out. So had, had you looked at the app back then, you would have seen kind of someone to compare to on the matrix. And so we used that 2019 cycle when we could be hands-on to learn the lessons we needed to do to try to scale it. Because um, obviously we can't be going to barbecues in every town in America um, to beg candidates to do this, but to figure out how to scale that process as well. 
That sounds like a great job, though. If that is an opening, let me know. I'll happily go to barbecues in every town. <laughs> um, but that is, I mean, that's a, a really great example of how useful this can be, right? Because it's, sure, you, you can turn on the news on any day and maybe see broad stroke positions for national level candidates. But when it comes to the nine people running for city council in your ward of your town in middle America, if you don't know them, it's really hard to know where they sit on things. And so being able to build out a tool, right? And and I think there's some responsibility here for the rest of us to help, right? That we can promote this kind of tool in local races to try to nudge candidates to fill it out so that everyone who, all the users in that area can see and be like, oh, okay, well, you know, this guy's here and that's different than me and, and, and kind of see where people are in relation to one another. Especially when you go to, I don't know about you guys, but I've been to a number, a number of forums where every candidate stands up and basically answers the same question and they just say, well, yeah, what he said. So that there's, it's just different flavors of vanilla at that point. It's hard to, hard to differentiate. Yeah. And I think also for local candidates having, I've had some of the same experiences besides that they frequently have very similar, if not the same answers. Um, what can also be difficult for, for voters is in a lot of those forums, um, as the question should be, they're hyper-localized. So they're about very, very specific, right? We live here in Boston, but very, very specific policies about very specific neighborhoods or even very specific buildings in your city. Um, and that's incredibly important. And that's of course what those city councilors are going to do, right? When they get into city hall, but for a voter, it's gonna be awfully intimidating, right? It's, it's hard to keep up with you know, America's policy on Medicare or the federal minimum wage or refugees. Um, how, how am I gonna keep up on all of this? And so what this matrix that, that Victor developed um, allows you to do is, is answer local questions, but also answer kind of federal questions or statewide questions, but gives you the confidence. If we, if we agree on all these other things, then, then I probably agree with you also on how you're gonna handle our local issues. Um, so it's a lot more about who shares my values um, than necessarily also making it into something where you need to be an expert on the specific zoning regulation of your municipality, um, which can again be very daunting. And so back to this goal of how do you make politics and voting not daunting? Um, we, we believe this matrix concept really can help with that as well. So what's um, what's your end goal? Like if you guys had a magic wand and could make ActiVote be the tool you want it to be, I guess you are doing that, but what's your, what's your end goal? How do you measure success? Yeah, so one of the things uh, we like to do is measure our success. And so we once calculated that in every four-year cycle in the United States, all of us together, if we would vote in every single opportunity we had in every local, special, national election, we could cast about 1.8 billion votes. And that's about nine votes uh, or seven votes for 250 million people in that period. And, and right now, approximately only 450 million of those votes are being cast. So only a quarter of all the possible votes are actually being cast through time. And, and we have as a goal to add 100 million to that. So we would like over a four million period, four year period, that 100 million votes are added by people who feel more empowered to vote. And, and that's kind of the, you know, the, the dot on the horizon. That's our North Star where we want to go to. And we know it's a long journey, but that's, that's what we want to achieve. That's that's great, and again, in my state, we are a we are a low turnout state um, by a significant margin, and everyone here I know is scratching their heads on how we can in, improve that. Right on, I don't really care your party affiliation; I just want you to vote. 
because there's no shortage of people complaining about the outcome, uh, but there is a shortage of folks that are influencing that outcome. So we'd like to flip that around. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after a word from some of our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by IVN.us, an open news platform for independent-minded authors and readers. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe to IVN.us where you listen to podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, or iHeartRadio. Hey, Unregit listeners. I'm Emily Corsetti from The Purple Principle. How did our country get so polarized? The rise of television news, the rise of social media, every single force is pushing us apart. How do we get less partisan? People have a lot more in common than they think they do on policy. And can independent-minded Americans bridge the divide? I think that there's value to having folks like me outside of the parties. Take a 360-degree tour of partisanship with The Purple Principle, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, and now back to the show. I, I'm sure a question that listeners would have is, okay, well, you're collecting some data from us. What do you do with the data? Where does this go? And is my data safe and secure with ActiveVote? So maybe for starters, um, as I said before, we are voter-focused. So it is true, we store your data in a database somewhere because that's the way we can use it to make smart calculations and try to help you with any number of things. Um, but we do not sell any personal user data to anyone else. Um, we never have and we never will. Um, so your personal data, the, the information you put in will always stay private. Um, we use that data to calculate your position in a matrix. Um, we you know, use that data to sometimes aggregate information about, hey, what does the country think about, say, the approval rating for Joe Biden? Um, or what do people in Oklahoma think about the approval rating of your governor? Um, or you know, we're about to participate in an event about infrastructure. What do Americans think about this infrastructure bill and all of those things? And so we'll aggregate that, but your personal data uh, always stays private. Yeah, that, I mean, I think that's the everyone's concern, right? That we don't, we don't want to say, well, I... I would vote yes on infrastructure and then you start getting Instagram ads for Caterpillar or something, you know, I don't know what the, <laughs> what the algorithm would do, but something like that, or perhaps even worse, you fill this out and then suddenly you start getting, um, you know, fundraising emails from the political parties, either one of them. Um, now the, I think a cool thing is that the app does sync to the voter file so that you can pull in information about yourself. So you can look at your, you can confirm your registration. You can see if you voted most recently and make sure your ballot was received. Um, it has the scores for like the likelihood that you would turn out for a particular race. And so like, like my score for whether or not I'm likely to vote in a presidential primary was lower than I expected. And now I remember that there was an issue with my absentee ballot last year. And so it was not counted. Maybe that dragged down my score, but that those little numbers were like motivating to me to be like, I want to be at a hundred percent. I want, I want people to know that I am a super voter, as you said earlier. And one of the great things you can do also in the app is, um, you know, Andy, you and I could be friends on this app. Um, and that would be, we would agree to share that voter profile with each other. 
Um, and so I would see that you're a super voter and you'd see, you know, that I am or I'm not a super voter. And then you would see if I missed my last election, right? And maybe give me a hard time. And of course that's your choice, right? To, to, to share this information with another user on the app, um, completely controlled by you, the users. Um, but we hope that there's a little, you know, social fun um, and social reminder. And it also means if we become friends and if I see, hey, there's an Oklahoma election, I better call Andy and say, hey, do you know you have an election in two weeks? Are you planning to vote? Um, and, you know, there's a, a lot that shows there's a reason campaigns knock on doors and it's because people like to be asked. People like to be reminded. People like to be asked and feel valued. And so, you know, that quick call that I make that says, hey, Andy, you know, would you like to vote? Gives you a chance to say yes, but also gives you a chance in two weeks to say, yeah, and I voted and have that proud moment. And I think, you know, if we can in encourage those types of moments, um, that can only have a positive impact on democracy. Yeah, that's really cool. Every time my neighborhood, um, like association, puts out the signs to remind us that it's time for the monthly meeting, I think I'm going to make some blank signs that just say, don't forget to vote next Tuesday and put them out a week in advance of every election. Uh, because even though we may know it's coming up, seeing that visual cue is important. And it because it's clear like a handwritten sign, like it's a little more personal, I think. And it makes me remember like, oh, yeah, we we all live here voluntarily. We can participate or not. So very cool. Is there anything else about ActiveVote that you guys are working on that you want listeners to hear or know about? No, I think the the, the big thing we are working on right now um, is taking it from an app that you download on your phone and putting it on the web. Um, we got some feedback that to be that it'd be great to be a little bit more accessible. Um, some of our um, older users. Um, thought the, the text on a phone is too small and that a computer might be a bit nicer. Um, but as well as, you know, others, we got requests that they'd like to be able to use it at their public library or at their at their school or, or something. And so um, hopefully in the next four weeks or so, um, this will also be available on a browser near you. Well, that's very exciting. How do you guys see the, the landscape, right? So I, I, well, let me preface it by saying the last eight months, 12 months of American democracy has been unusual and concerning in all kinds of ways. Um, but the fact that we are living through a pandemic where everything has has moved virtual and moved online, it makes a lot of sense that more of the civic process would would mirror that as well. How do you see Active Vote playing a role in that uh, as we move towards the midterm elections next year? Yeah, so one of our uh, feelings when we knocked on doors was that many people want to learn about when they can vote and who is on the ballots, but they want to do it on their terms. Um, often they are just making dinner or they just came home and this is not the right time. So one of the steps of active vote was, well, it's on your smartphone or it will be on the website soon. So you can look at it when you are ready. So that was one element. The second element is, you know, we all talk about how our country is somewhat divided at the moment um, in, in, in many topics. And we feel that if people engage with the app and they look at the nuance that's possible, they sometimes recognize that they have more in common than, than they may realize if they spend too much time on Twitter or, or elsewhere. So we have basically two goals. The one is that people can do it at their own time. You can do that at home, you can do that with friends, but you can do that. And then secondly, that you get more nuanced view of the different sides of the spectrum. And uh, when people see themselves in the matrix, they won't see themselves either completely left or completely right but they will see that there's many people who are somewhere you know, in that whole spectrum from left to right. And so we have this overarching goal that people feel like, hey, maybe I can engage with others more if I know that we're not you know, uh, totally apart. 
but that we we also share some values. Right. Because so often it's the folks at the end of the bell curve on both sides that take up all the space on social media for sure and, and even in traditional media. And it's a good reminder that most people are there in the middle, you know, somewhere um, a lot closer together than than you might have thought. Well, before we go, Sarah, I read that you are a big fan of the West Wing, and I am a huge fan of the West Wing. And so I would be uh, remiss if I did not ask if you have a favorite episode or character. Oh, I mean, gosh. Well, I do love the West Wing. Um, I have a soft spot for Josh Lyman. Um, you know, I mean, you have to love Jed Bartlett, right? Who, who, who doesn't love, uh, you know, the president? But I think Josh Lyman... Um, it's probably my favorite character. Oh, for, for me, it's uh, it's CJ. It's absolutely CJ. Um, I thought she was uh, the best press secretary that you could imagine, and then a great chief of staff. So uh, yeah, but West Wing, brilliant. That's I I've hosted some uh, West Wing watch parties here in Oklahoma City, where we just projected it on the side of a building and got people to show up with you know coolers and and watch it so we could hang out. Um, I, I will say, I guess my favorite certainly is Bartlett. Um, and then Toby is rising. I don't know what I, the first time I watched it, Josh and Toby drove me nuts. And then I watched it through a second time and really came to appreciate them and, and Toby's curmudgeonness, I guess, curmudgeonry. Well, uh, Sarah and, and Victor, thank you so much for being here with us today. My guests today have been Sarah Gifford and Victor Alice founders of Activote, which is available for free in both the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. You'll also learn more about Activote on their website at activote.net. Thanks for listening to How to Win Friends and Save the Republic. This podcast is produced by the National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers. For more information about our organization and how you can join, visit nonpartisanreformers.org.